clear. We are the weirdos. I am God. What? I tried to warn her. Hello out there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Ots Tyrion podcast. It is I, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. And I... Sam Weinman. Wearing appropriately on this joy in this joyful time a tie-dyed Britney Spears t-shirt. <laughs> because it is yeah. a time to feel celebratory about and for with and with Britney Spears. Well, you know, as Rebecca Black said in her follow-up single to Friday, mm. um, this is my moment. And I feel like this is really <laughs> Britney Spears' moment. She has deactivated her Instagram, mm-hmm. which has been her only lifeline to people. Right. Which is really saying something like she's like hey i don't need this anymore right and to me like that's been our only window in and it's um what a special time to see her truly flourishing on her own now that her dad is like nah let's end the conservatorship yeah and she's engaged she's engaged oh my god to the world's hottest man to the world's sorry christelka who made a great who was making great jokes about the prenup. He is definitely going to sign to protect his seeker collection and his Jeep. (laughs) Oh Um, my God, the man that Britney Spears has deserved for years. Oh my God, Jordan, thank you for opening this episode talking about Britney Spears because you know this is all that's on my heart. This is important. Yeah. And this is, this is Osterion. Yeah. You'll have, we'll do more specific Britney deep dive eventually, friends. It's, it's not funny that we haven't, it's not shocking that we haven't done yet because everything comes in its right time. Right. But like, there, there will be Britney mini-sewed material. But right now, this is an occasion. This is a joyous occasion. I agree. And today, I am celebrating. I mean, I wish that I could say I was wearing this on purpose. I just happened to want to wear Britney Spears today. But maybe it was like my I subconscious. I know. I think, I think it was it was being communicated through you. It was. I, uh, I love her, and I'm so happy for her happiness and freedom. <sighs> Free Britney. Yeah. Free it's, Britney. It's happening. Jesus, I actually really didn't ever think we would see it happen. Um, that's incredible. Um, but for our for our purposes here today, Sam, I will kick it to you to unveil what is the to me extremely special movie that we will be discussing today. I am so excited to share that we will be talking <laughs> oh. about 2009's Sorority Row, an absolute classic. And by classic, I mean oh. came in 150th at the box office that year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, that sounds like an Ots Tyrion certified gold. That's how you know it's us. Yeah, yeah. It. I. 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 I wait every time I watch this movie. I'm like, okay, now is gonna be the time that I'm gonna not love it more. Oh my like, god, me too. Every time I'd be like, okay, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna just feel the same about it. Yeah. Every time I watch this movie, I'm like, how am I still so excited every time this movie is playing out before me? It, to me, it's aging well because it continues to deliver. Obviously, there are things that don't age well, sure. and we're gonna we're gonna discuss that. Yeah, and it it reminds me in the same way that Jennifer's body does. Mm-hmm. There are throwaway lines and language that were deemed appropriate in two thousand nine that are not totally. appropriate by today's standards. Yeah. Um. But I think that overall, the thing that always catches me by surprise, and that I I am sure we'll get into today, uh, it's just that the bonds between the women in this film legit. So legit. They are actual friendships, and I care so much about them. This movie, to me, is such a, you know, if you if you are a Screen Drafts podcast listener, you will be aware that this charted in our top seven 2000s slashers list. It did. 
this was this was the first entry on the list uh, not number one this was the first entry being at number seven um but i think i truly believe that this movie is the best example is the most winning example of the negative things about the 2000s mm. i think oh my it God. is jordan the, i actually think it is the best case scenario <gasps> For the bad things that defined the humor and aesthetic and attitude of 2000s pop culture. I am so excited to get into this with you because when you say that, it is absolutely right. I was listening to, okay, so there's a character and we'll get into it, but Jessica, um, played by Leah Pipes. Leah Pipes. Who is this movie? Too bad it doesn't prevent bulimia. That's something Megan could actually use. Every line of dialogue. And who is the two thousands? Frankly, yeah. Every line of dialogue should could be offensive, could be whatever. And instead, I am deliciously devouring all of her all of her lines. And 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 because for two thousand nine, you're absolutely right. This is like this is two thousands. This is aughts era horror distilled. Yes. It is distill and like, and every time I'm waiting to watch it and have like my good sense cap on and for like the jokes or the one-liners to, to like finally hit me wrong and me be like, oh, I feel like I need to apologize for this. But actually every time I'm like, why is this still working so well? I think what we have in, what we have in Leah Pipes and in the character of Jessica is the, the sensibility of the 2000s was mean girl chic. It was right. cool to be mean. It was cool to be cruel. It was cool to be a fucking bitch. And, and, and how many times do we see movies get that wrong, by the way? Get it wrong. Because Rachel McAdams killed it in Mean Girls. That was the- we get the the pinnacle of Mean Girls. I mean, she really is the peak of any example of a bad bitch that we have seen on film. Yeah. I mean, truly. Like, still, I think of I think of it in terms of, like, like the idea of sort of codifying a person as that type. It's like, they're still a plastic. Her performance like as Regina George, for it. yes, is, is, is era-defining. And, and so what happened after that, if you look at Ott's film's post like 2004 right they are they all have that like little mean girls type click yes and anywhere where there are women the movie cry wolf is completely about horrible people who are Mm -hmm. all just mean girls who are all male and female mean girls and where i think this this film to me i think she is on par with regina george i think leah mm -hmm. leah pipes's performance as jessica because she does it differently she's not an imitation of no she's choosing her own path and Mm -hmm. she's cutting it out herself and it is Something that I wish everybody could see. And, like, I know we don't ever say this on the on the podcast, but, like, if you are at home and you're like, oh, my God, I've never seen this, but I can't wait to hear them talk about it, just, like, fucking stop. No, Hit you pause are so And actually go right. watch this. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. Like, feel free. Go ahead and listen to us talk about it. But it is not even going to do this film justice because when it came out, this movie was reviled. Yes. And people were wrong. And the only way to show you just how wrong they are mm-hmm. is to do what I know you already did with Jennifer's Body. Yes. Put this movie on your fucking MacBook or wherever you are. <laughs> I was going to say pop it in, but put like on, nobody has that DVD. Put it on your me. phone. Yeah. I don't care if you pull it up on your fucking phone. Yeah, do whatever you have to do, but but just watch it right now. And it, I think what to me makes Jessica, Leah Pipes' performance as Jessica, a definitive horror bitch, a definitive horror mean girl, is that because in Mean Girls, the arc of Regina George always had to be that she was going to reform. She was gonna come yes. around, like it had to be, and I and I love right. that for her. Like we needed that. That was that we needed to be it. part of the movie. But in this one, Jessica never comes around. Mm-mm. You just can't help but love her more and more 
over the course of the movie. She so completely and authentically plays this mean girl in the heightened scenario that is a genre film where you have to have your sort of distinctly villainous character like that, especially in a sorority. Like, you want that mean bitch character. There has to be the head bitch in charge character in a sorority movie, particularly in a sorority horror movie. And you you are rooting for Jessica to live, not because she got better along the way, but because she isn't redeemable ever but you still can't get enough of her and you want her to walk out of that burning house right alongside of Cassidy. And that is a fucking feat of charisma and dialed in charm. And this, a thing you need to know about Sorority Row, you guys, that like Sam just said, we can't explain. This movie has, this movie is so in on its sense of humor. Yes. This movie's jokes land. This movie's one-liners fucking hit. I don't know how Rumor Willis plays a character that is a crying, whiny, little bitch the entire time and I never stop loving her how do you make that character likable how do you make that character watchable rumor Willis does it fucking how unbelievable I I, to me we have talked about this before and if you all listen to the Jennifer's Body episode which I encourage you to do as a companion to this just because they came out in the same year I think that's a very very wow what a companion yeah and we and, 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 and just in the sake of not covering the same ground twice I will summarize by saying you know 2009 is a year that exists around Tucker mm-hmm. Max. Yep. Max Tucker? Tucker Max. Tucker Max. I do it Tucker every Max, time. Hunter Moore. Uh, Hunter Moore. This is a time when we are really seeing the peak of of like celebrity bullying and specifically aimed at women. Mm-hmm. There is a cultural, there's kind of a, a cultural attitude of tearing people apart and delighting in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I, this is the same year, I will add that like Lady Gaga did her VMAs performance, her mm-hmm. first one where she did Paparazzi, mm-hmm. a song about wow. the paparazzi yeah, yeah, yeah. in this big like opera kind of like uh, skewering it where she bleeds to death in her performance while she continues to sing. So what we get in her performance is really the embodiment of like this year, Mm -hmm. right? This is the first year where, and I don't think we fully have unpacked what Lady Gaga's art was really saying about that moment. Wow, We all celebrated it because Mm -hmm. we were like, yes, this is what's going on. (laughs) But I don't think we actually really... In a a very white feminism, yes, queen kind of way. Exactly. But not like an analytical, critical kind of way. And what, so when we think about something like Sorority Row with these like very powerful HBIC women who are in charge of their own sexuality and destiny and Mm one-liners, you know, they are, who would be, absolutely who would be in the crosshairs of our culture in this moment. Yes. And it is, this movie, this is one of my favorite openings to a horror movie ever. And everything about it shouldn't. You shouldn't want to watch it now. It should repulse you now. But it is so anchored in its moment and it is so aware of its shittiness. Like it is, I think the thing that's so, I cannot believe a man wrote this. And, And with this sort of like, I don't know, wherewithal or accidental accidental fucking awareness. I don't know, Josh Stolberg, you you did it. But like this movie is extremely aware and 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 slapping in the face the toxic things about the sort of archetypal, stereotypical sorority culture, while also so fully embracing them, seemingly respecting them enough to embrace them and flesh them out, like you said, and make this bonds of sisterhood feel actually believable, while also completely like a pig in shit, just wallowing in it. Just actually, it, it somehow at once lambasts the negative aspects of this culture of like toxic girl friendships and serial killer slasher and boobs while also 
It has its cake and eats it too. That's right. what it is. This movie has its cake and eats it too. It does the regressive things. Yes. But not in a way that makes you watch it now and think like, ooh, they should have made a different choice then. It's like, no, they should have made this exact... They should have chosen what they did 10 times out of 10 for the majority of this movie. Yeah. Chugs, I love you because you're always willing to try anything new and you don't give a damn what anyone thinks. Oh, is this a bad time to tell you I boned your dad? Chris. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was after the divorce. <laughs> this cat, this is one of, this is, God, it could be the most, House of Wax Ensemble is like, I think, emblematic of the most aughts star power. And in yes. a 2000s horror movie, Chad Michael Murray, Alicia Cuthbert, Jared Padalecki, Paris fucking Hilton. This, I think, is the highest functioning, most tightly bound ensemble of any of the teen slasher pieces in that era. Brianna Evigan is a fantastic Cassidy. We have talked about Leah Pipes fucking crushing it as Jessica. Jamie Chung. Oh my God. Oh my God. Jamie fucking Chung. An amazing addition to this sisterhood. Margot Harshman as a virtuoso girl of loose morals as Chugs. And Rumor Willis as Rumor Ellie. Willis. Rumor Willis and the jokes made at Rumor Willis's expense, like right. at Ellie's expense in this movie, are if they are Leah Pipes versus Rumor Willis as two dueling characters in this movie, with Ellie just being a fucking punching bag and Jessica never letting up on her mm-hmm. is absolutely like it is a study in sub dom sorority sister horror girl art. Okay, who up and faints anymore? It's okay, I told him it was the heat. It was Megan, I know it was her. It was her sister, dumbass. And might I say, you played it real cool. I, the the application of boobs in this movie is even wonderful to me. You're walking in the shower scene, like, of course, there, why wouldn't there be boobs in this scene? It's so gratuitous, it doesn't even feel gratuitous. It's so gratuitous that it starts to feel like it's in service of a story that has to be gratuitous. And they talk about boobs endlessly. They <laughs> they are talking about boobs. They At one point, Brianna Evigan, Cassidy's character, like, Gets called out for, what is it? Uh, Jessica is making fun of, this is, oh my God. So again, the opening of this movie, truly the opening of this movie, the stage setting of this movie, it maps out the entire fucking decade. After we move through the sorority house and we go upstairs, the, so- the senior girl click that, you know, I've just listed off all their names. They are standing around doing shots and they're doing appreciations of each other to like welcome one another to this new school year. And Jessica starts it off by thanking Jamie Chung's character and saying that like, Claire, I like being your friend because... It makes me multicultural without having to do anything. <laughs> and then Ellie, played by Rumor Willis, is like, oh, so okay. And actually, in that moment, I think that's that's a really good, again, distillation of what the odds was. Because it's like, we're going to say something racist and then say that's racist. And then that allows us the, the room to laugh yep. at the racist joke. At the racist joke? So it still exists within the context of, of the, the scene. And then Ellie could, I mean, this, this, go around is such a fucking case study in the moment and jamie Ch- or, or ellie says ellie says to cassidy she's like cassidy i love you because you're so real and then jessica just goes that's just because you can't afford fake ones <laughs> this is a movie in which the most stacked character gets called out for not being able to afford fake tits and then we go on to a scene in which a roofie rape is planted by the sorority sisters as a practical joke to play on the boy that cheated on her and that boy is one of the brothers of the sorority sister who gave him the roofies to quote unquote drug their friend. And when she's coming into consciousness, she is 
Jessica makes a joke about like, oh yeah, she could use a little bulimia. She makes a fucking bulimia joke about her. We get, we get racist joke. We get bulimia joke. We get lesbian joke. We get boob call outs. And that is all in the intro of this movie. And it all somehow functions on a frequency that makes it feel like almost like a museum piece about the 2000s that was made at a later time to say like, hey guys, would you like to know what the 2000s were like? And then we're going to make this for you. Not that it was made of, it's too aware of its moment almost to have existed in the moment without being a satire of it. Because it's not a satire. This is a diversion because this is where I go with the intro, but we, but the music. The music. Oh, yes, please, it's please. It's just one little layer. Be- well, Bring actually, it's a, I want to say it's a big layer. because No, it's a huge layer. Because in this moment, what you're describing is basically that segment on Drag Race where they hold up glasses and they read each other to filth. Okay. And then, of course, Cassidy's character gets to uh, Jessica, and she doesn't really read her. She just says something mean, which always sends you home, by the way. <laughs> yeah. If this was Drag you Race, just say something mean? Cassidy wouldn't be, mm. well, because you, you have to be funny about it, and Cassidy's right. just like, you make being a bitch an art form. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. and everybody's just kind of like, I mean, yeah. Good one. <laughs> yeah, okay. Cassidy. Cassidy would have gone home. Our yeah. final girl would have been Jessica if this so was Drag Race, right. but it's not. You're but so right. Interestingly enough, the um, the person who did the score is from Drag Race. Um, his name's Lucian Piani, I think is how you say his last name. Has he um, been in since now, season one? He, because he, Drag yes. Race jumps off in 2009, yes, right? Yes, but he was removed around, he, you know, he had some mental health difficulties okay. around, I think, season eight, and that's why he no longer does stuff Still with them. It's a long run. It's a long run. And he did, um, so all of their musical challenges, all of their, he worked with Rue and made Rue's singles. So what we're listening to in the opening. Wow. Yes. Sam. What we're listening to is the person who crafted RuPaul's music. So this opening song, I just I... pulled my shirt over my face. <laughs> this is fucking wild. So what you're hearing, and this is what makes it so special to me, you're hearing a song called "Tear Me Up" by Steffi Ray. Steffi Ray, who's actually Steffi, it's the lead singer of the band Steffi, which had one hit single, and it was from John Tucker Must Die, and it was called Chelsea. Okay. Okay. So then, but that didn't take off. Their career never took off. Great soundtrack. Okay. Um, and so she went on and sang this song, which was written and lyrics and music by Lucy. Oh, wow. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so what you hear, if you listen, he actually takes takes the song and he can do whatever he wants with it because it's his song. So he brings up the score and he mixes into it these incredible strings, which are from the song that is at the closing credits called Emergency. An Emergency, sung by Amy Allen ends up being, and he wrote that as well. Oh, oh wow. It, so he uses it as the theme of the film. And every time shit gets crazy, you hear the violins. Yes, yes, you do. Those violins are the melody for Emergency, and it's all setting us up for the most gratifying final scene, which we will get to. But as a fan of the soundtrack, just before they read each other to Phil, yep, yep, yep. he mashes up Tear Me Up with Emergency and in, in a beautiful integration. I... Love the score of this film. You have, and this is this is something that Sam has mentioned many times before, that the music of Sorority Row is a specific point of passion. This is not just for this episode. This is a continuing, this is a continuation of a conversation with you. And what makes this stand out to me over something like Paris Hilton, or mm-hmm. sorry, over House of Wax, which essentially is Paris Hilton. <laughs> yes. But something like House of Wax, um, where the soundtrack is, is iconic and has a ton of different people involved, the person in charge of doing the score is also represented on the soundtrack because both Tear Me Up and Emergency are. So the songs that are the most iconic parts of the movie are also integrated into the score. No other movie in that time is doing wow. that. And so what you get is a movie that feels a lot more like a music video at points than other films in its time. And also, the it, the, de- the defining musical sensibility of the time, which was, you know, I love hearing it when you go back to them, is, is alt-rock, is new metal. 
Mm-hmm. And this movie has a distinctly girl, gay, femme, millennial pop sensibility. It is, well, and, but also remember in 2008 into 2009, mostly 2009, we were having an electropop, uh, an yes. electropop moment. Yeah. It was LaRue bulletproof. Oh my God. You couldn't escape it. Everything was moving towards electro. Even like Radar by yeah. Britney Spears oh, had a tinge of electro oh, in it. Totally, electro. Totally. And so this, this to me, it all peaked in this movie. And it's like everything after that, it kind of went away. And yet again, like I tossed it off as an extension of a longer rant earlier, but like it is such a fundamental part of this movie and this culture to recognize that a a plan put in motion by multiple girls in this movie as a practical joke is to provide a boy with roofies. Yep. To give to, they're fake, they're faking him out. But the plan is give your brother, hey Chugs, give your brother these roofies to give to Megan because Megan's his ex, he cheated on her. And so the Theta Pies, they're gonna get back at him. You cheat on one Theta, you cheat on every Theta. And their plan to get him back is to have him fake roofie her so he can fuck her while she's passed out. But the gag is she's going to start vomiting and act like she's choking on her own vomit and dying while he's trying to have sex with her. At which point the sisters run in and they're like, what's going on here? Looks like he's kissing a corpse. Exactly. This is the best prank ever. And he's freaking out because he's like, oh my God, what happened? I just, I gave her the pills you gave her to give to me. Like, and, and then she's like, all of them? And all of them. And he's like, I As didn't know, I didn't know. His fault. And yeah. when, like, even before they run in the room too, they're, Cassidy is not part of this plan. She's like, what's going on here? And he's like, wait, she's like, wait, you had him roofie Megan? And Chugs is like, come on, roofie sex isn't that bad. You get laid in and you get a good night's sleep. <laughs> oh, that's right. There is the roofy sex is not that bad joke. So then they run in, brothers freaking out. And to continue the ruse, Jessica is like, get the Escalade. We're get, we have to take her to the hospital right now. He runs out and she starts giving Audrina Patridge. By the way, the Paris Hilton in this film, because Audrina yes. Patridge is from the Hills. Yes. So she's our one celebrity cameo. She's our stunt cast. Our pop culture. It's like, okay, you guys had Simple Life. Mm-hmm. We've got the hills. We've got the hills. And so... And they're have... also commenting on her breasts, by the way, as this is happening. Absolutely. And her her supposed boob job, boob job which Yeah, did you was... think she grew three cup sizes over the summer? Four. What, you thought she gained four bra sizes in three months? Unbelievable. And... What it's really doing is pointing to a real life conversation mm-hmm. about Audrina, where Maxim yep. that year yep. um, had asked her about, I think it was that year, had asked her about like the, the most horrendous rumors about her. And she pointed to all the plastic surgery rumors because yep. they just dogged her. Oh, in yeah. The Audrina got shredded. So by this people. is, again, another paparazzi moment. The movie is pointing right at something. Yes. No, the, it's, it's, it's stunt casting that is absolutely rooted in the reality of what that pop culture figure was. And so... And then that fantastical twist. Yep. Well, and then, as Leah Pipes is giving her mouth-to-mouth, she continues to give her mouth-to-mouth after the boy runs out of the room. So she keeps the gag going, even though everybody, mostly but Cassidy, knows what's going on. And Chugs looks at them, just goes... That is so hot, Chugs. And then... Audrina puts her hand behind Leah Pipes' head and starts making out with her. And there's a brief moment where they are just kissing before Jessica pulls away and she's like. What, no tongue? And she goes. Easy there, Lindsay Lohan. This is make-believe, remember? We have to establish this time. Lindsay Lohan, so had, while she had had a string of successful movies and some singles, Mm -hmm. her most famous thing, the thing she's the most famous for by 2009 is being a quote lesbian. Although she doesn't identify as a lesbian, she has a 
relationship with Samantha Ron- Samantha Ronson. Mm-hmm. And I mean, presumably she would be bisexual because we've seen her with men. Sure. We've seen her with men since. She had this long-term relationship with a woman. Mm-hmm. But in the aughts, bisexuality wasn't an option. So nope. people were like, oh, you 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 like you kissed a girl and you liked it. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're a lesbian. lesbian. Yeah. Now in the 2000s, it's Lindsay Lohan. She's our token lesbian. And that's the butt end of every lesbian joke. Yes, absolutely. And here we, this is such an interesting because in this scene, we have the movie giving us gay for the male gaze. We have a lesbianism for the male gaze with girls who are ostensibly not interested in other women at all, except for Chugs. Chugs, again, giving us bi energy. Bisexual fucking representation. Because yes. Chugs will fuck anyone. Like, Chugs is, Chugs is gonna go to her therapist and gonna have sex with him to bring barbiturates back to the to the graduation party. Chugs is gonna make out with the freshman boy in the kitchen. Chugs mm-hmm. is gonna watch two of her sorority sisters make out and be like, God, that's hot. And it's not, like, this movie is ma- played for the male gaze, but at the same time in that moment, it's like, it is a shocking moment of equal opportunity sexual interest that is, it's funny in the moment, but it's not like, it's not played for something where Chugs does not become cast out, made fun of, or nope. treated in a different way after that remark. It's just Chugs. Everybody knows that's just Chugs. And we are grasping for straws at this point for representation. So to have a yeah. character who, because most of our representation does amount to two women kissing, and yep. it's like, oh, well, then that's queer. Yeah. But in this case, it's a person, it's a woman finding pleasure in seeing two women kiss. Yeah. And that is exciting. With and no it's men in the room. Mm-hmm. With no men in the room. And yes, it's, you know, we're, we're playing to the men in the audience, but it's not like, because like, barsexual. It's not like Chugs is performing queerness to turn a man on in her proximity. Chugs oh, is clearly having a moment clearly for, her. for Chugs. It is just like, she looks like she's going to go rub one out. Like, yeah, it is, she absolutely does. Like, she's going to be thinking about her sorority sisters later that night. Chugs, a, a character who uh, who I would like to have seen 80% more of the movie. <laughs> oh with my her. god. I think to, to me this this movie's biggest narrative sin is that Chugs becomes our first sorority sister. Dinner. The worst. Chugs who we love the most. Chugs who we Chugs for life. Now, if you are at home watching that first scene and you're like, <laughs> "Wow, multicultural. I don't know if I can get into this odds talk." Fair. Now, I just ask that you I hang in there. Yeah. I get it. Hang in there for the second, the scene that follows. When they are trying to trick this boy, like to get revenge on him and and wallowing in his pain, and then things go south. The dialogue that happens along the way is incredible. It's incredible. It is the best, it's some of the best mean girl writing I've ever seen. Ever. I will say ever. I'm not even going to say of the decade. No, ever seen. Ever. And, and and it's actually so good, it almost becomes a problem because it makes Cassidy, our final girl, yeah, yeah. real light on the interest. It's like, yeah. God, I hope Cassidy says something fun. Yeah. Because, man, Chug's a blast. A blast. You know, Jessica, she is shooting people down left and right. Yeah. And, and when they accidentally kill Audrina, because mm-hmm. what happens is... He thinks that she's actually dead, mm-hmm. and, and, and and in passing, Jessica's like, oh, we're going to have to get the air out of her lungs, or she's going to float when we throw her in this well. Yeah. And so he gets the tire iron out of the back that apparently, like, has a corkscrew on it. It looks like it looks like it has, it looks like it has some, cor- I think it, it's supposed to function. It has one panel on it that looks like a, sh- it has one bar on it that looks like a shoehorn that I think must maybe need to focus as a crowbar or something. Because it has one flat piece that looks just like a shoehorn. Okay. And, and so he shoehorns her heart yep. right into her lungs and she gasps and he realized she is alive. Yep. This is a prank. And now he's killed this girl yep. and everybody else is shocked. Yeah. 
And and the speed in which Jessica's like, no, we need to think about this, how this is going to affect our lives. Yeah. Basically, yeah. she gets a coldness to her tone mm-hmm. where she begins directing these girls in a way that only a true mean girl could. Because she's not just mean. No. She is their fearless leader. Megan was our sister, and we loved her. But I also know that Megan loved us. And Theta Pi. Would she want us to go down like this? Well, in this moment, Cassidy lists, what about these three tenets of sisterhood? Mm -hmm. And then that's when Jessica's like, Well, you forgot too. Secrecy and solidarity. Those are some pretty fucked up tenants. I don't know. I just like, Yo, wow, is the, that in there? The idea that secrecy is one of the tenants of sisterhood for Theta Pi is like, well, that's a red flag. But everybody out of fear and following their alpha is going to go with Jessica. And they are going to pitch their friend down a well. And Ellie, as she says to Cassidy, you're stronger than I am. I couldn't do it. And they resolve to blame Cassidy for it. They wrap. If Cassidy, yep. If Cassidy doesn't go along, which Cassidy's not going along, they take her over to the edge of the well. They wrap her in Cassidy's now blood-drenched jacket. They toss her over. And she, Cassidy comes running back. She's like, I can't get the police. I can't get through. And they're like, we all agreed. We won't tell anyone what you did. I did. I killed Megan with the tire iron. We're sisters. We'll protect you. You can count on us. And Jamie Chung in that moment is perfect. Yes! We'll That's when you Cassidy realize Jamie Europe. Chung's character is not just a throwaway yep. for a multicultural joke at the beginning. Yep. She's a real character. Mm-hmm. And that's when you start to get to know her, which I love. Mm-hmm. That moment, though, is is shot in silhouette. And this is the only time I'm going to bring it up. Because now we've got like an opening Please tracking shot that, oh. that really, like I think, Marvel... Like, could go head to head with Birdman. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we have this sil- this gorgeous, like, creepy well at night silhouette with, like, the steam and the way it that she looks It like looks like there's down. a gallows hanging over the well and they're backlit and it's kind of steamy. It is, that is a shot. Put that up there with fucking any Stephen King movie adaptation yeah. from the 1970s. I mean, it is remarkable looking. And to me, this goes back to what we were talking about with, like, House of Wax being, like, that, the odds example of an A24 film. This frame... This is Ots. Yes. This is Ots. Yes. Excellence. Yes. Excellence. And 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 you know that you're in good hands. So look, we have taken a lot of time to unpack this opening, but it's because it's so crucial to like loving this film. Yeah. And it's because really it, the it, it, it of all sets up. Yeah. I mean, it is it is it is the Christmas tree, and then kind of everything else is the ornaments on the tree. Well, something like Nightmare on Elm Street is about Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. and Nancy versus Freddy, and you know she has her accessory friends. That is not this movie. This no. movie is not about the killer. No, it is not. This movie is about the girls that made a decision that will haunt them. Mm-hmm. And so literally a year later, it does haunt them, right? Mm-hmm. They're graduating and we're getting all of who they are now. And Cassidy's like a fucked up mess. Cassidy And Cassidy has checked out. It cuts to eight months later. We're at graduation. Oh, eight months, Chastity yes. has Ch- Cassidy has divested from this friend group. She's not hanging out with her friends at graduation. She has spent her whole year with her doctor, with her boyfriend, uh, who played the doctor, Ren, in Pretty Little Liars. She doesn't oh, want anything right. to do with it. She just wants to graduate and get the fuck out of there. And I think that this... The strength of this movie lies in its performances, and you see that in the yes. opening because in a lot of other people's hands, this opening dialogue might not be convincing that Cassidy didn't go to the police. Mm-hmm. But when you see the power dynamics in that group, yeah. you understand immediately. And in the following scene, they where are trained. her lifeline is her boyfriend. Yes. Because that's all she has left. Mm-hmm. Now she has him, and that is that is her whole life, and then she's just got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And something that funny happens, well, first we meet um, Carrie. Uh, we meet uh, Mrs. Crenshaw. Yes. 
And she is amazing. Yeah. Obviously, and we, we want more of her. We're not going to get it. Don't get your hopes up. But we, we get... We will get we a get satisfying a, a great scene. Couple, we get a great couple moments, but you want her in every minute. You do. You every want more of her. I get it. I did too. I feel for you. I want Chugs and Carrie... I want Chugs and Mrs. Crenshaw carrying shotguns together. Yeah. Here's the thing. I want a three-hour cut of this movie. I just want there to be room for everybody. Because, everybody. Because the thing is, it's not like what's there is the wrong choice. No, no. What's there is the right choice. I just wanted more, and which it, is a great like, thing. It's a nice... It, it, this movie, every time, by the time the end arrives, I'm like, wait, already? It is an hour and 40 minutes that just flies the fuck by. So they really... It's not that they didn't make bad choices. They had a half a dozen protagonists, protagonist-antagonists, to balance over the course of an hour and 40-minute runtime while putting in kills, while giving them relationships with each other. Right. And you have to make cuts somewhere, but I, like, I want the Suspiria 2018 cut of Sorority Row. Yes, and I think that there's also something that's happening with slut shaming that's interesting in the way that homophobia comes up in the odds. Yes. So homophobia is like a post-homophobia thing whenever they bring up gay humor. It's yeah. like, oh, we've moved past this, but we haven't. You guys have heard us talk about this. Yeah. The slut shaming in this happens in the same way. Mm-hmm. All of the girls constantly slut, slut shame each other. Yeah, absolutely. And it's in a way that the movie presents as, hey, but we're past this. So we're actually owning it. Yeah. We are sex positive. Yeah. I don't know that it ever really is, but I like to read it that way. I do, Because it feels too. like they just embrace their sexuality by well, and poking feels, at each other in the language of its time. And we have so many examples of when it doesn't feel like this. Yes. That there just is something where you watch this where you're like, listen, I'm not saying it's high art, but I am saying it doesn't hit the way those other examples of slut shaming, the one that I go back to frequently with Valentine in the 2000s, like the idea of it doesn't feel like this movie is concerned with the rules of slashers. That are oversimplified, but the idea of the virgin lives, punished for sin. These characters don't feel like they are killed for being girls of ill repute. They're being killed because a deranged man. Yes. A deranged, fucking crazy, possessive boyfriend snaps and decides that he only, he's going to keep his girlfriend to himself forever. Right. And he's the only one who can protect her. And I'm the one who's always going to keep you safe. The villain of this movie is a man who wants to possess a woman. Yeah. And like, to me, this is, this movie is misogyny done right. Well. This I, movie is somehow, it, it's not a Neon Demon situation, but it's no, like it's actually, somehow misogyny that becomes like for the female gaze too. What's going on, Sam? I have a theory. Please tell me. I I'm a mess. Part of what works with this is that not a single male character in the movie is a good guy. Not one. Not one. Think about it. Yeah. The opening, we have the brother mm-hmm. who's shitty and is totally willing to rape a woman. Yep. And demonstrates 100%. that. And has cheated on his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Then we have the senator. Like, when we meet the boyfriend, Kyle's dad, he says that the first thing he does when he picks up a book is read the last page. Okay, boring, man. And he also, and he's at dinner. This is dynamics. when he's at lunch with yes, Jessica. with Jessica mm-hmm. to let her know how the world is. Mm-hmm. And if she wants to be a part of this world, how she's going to have to be. Yeah. In my experience, there are two kinds of girls in this world ones you spend your life with and the ones you burn hard with. Ultimately in this movie, one by one, what we what, what's revealed yeah. is that every boyfriend sucks. Every even the ones that feel nice. Every boyfriend sucks, and there's an incredible moment where after Mickey dies, they're like, what? Like Jamie Chung finds out and Mickey's dead, and she's like, why? Why? What's going on? And Jessica just goes, I don't know, because he was a dick. Yep. And then later on when the killer the over the controlling overly obsessive boyfriend to Cassidy is explaining why he, he had to kill everybody who knew about the murder of Megan to protect Cassidy so they right. can be one and only themselves together forever and she doesn't need anybody and she's like but what about Mickey why and he just goes that guy really was a dick 
It actually was that. It actually was that. Mickey died because Mickey was a dick. I and think this guy person... thinks he's the one. The boyfriend thinks he's the one good guy. The boyfriend says, not all men. You're right. Because oh I'm God, the exception. Right. This place isn't safe. I saved me. Yeah. I always will. You don't need this place. These people. I'm the one who's never going to let anything happen to you. I'm the exception. And the exception turned out to be just as bad as, if not worse than, the rule. Which is that yes. every man in this fucking movie is garbage. Every man. And I want to delight in each the one of those reveals as we go. The therapist is fucking so exploiting start children. There. He's, avoiding, he's, he's so, exploiting young girls to trade sexual favors for pills. As we mentioned, Chugs is the very first kill of the movie. Yeah. Unfortunately. What we have is a kill that we see again and again in other people's movies. Yes. But never acknowledging that it comes from here. Yeah. Which is where Chugs is drinking out of a wine bottle. Mm-hmm. And then the killer, I think it's wine. Yeah, it's, it's a wine, And then the killer comes in and smashes it into her throat. Yeah. In what is one of the biggest scares in the movie. Yep. Also one of the most graphically horrific things. And just when you think it can't get worse, he hits it even harder into her throat and it gets worse. Which I love, not because I love violence, but because I think that the scariest part of violence is when you think it can't get get worse and then it does. Yeah. What we're seeing in the scene is Chugs is going to visit her therapist Mm -hmm. who is fucking her Mm -hmm. in exchange for pills. Yes. Whatever she wants. Mm -hmm. And in a way, you know, we get some dialogue from her that's like... (sighs) Dark, this revealing. Is she in control of this? Mm-hmm. Is it's definitely wrong, but she is getting something. Mm-hmm. No, the 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 demonstration and the the provocation of the limits of control in this conversation yes. in this scene are so incredible because we have obviously we have Chugs, sex positive woman, and she's going to go secure party favors for her sisters, and so she goes to the therapist's office and she calls them when she sees that her therapist is chained to the bed. And he's like, "Well, we could finish what my last client started if you want," and she calls her sorority sister. She's like, "Well." Dr. Rosenberg's really making me work for it this time, so I'll see you guys when the party starts. And she's walking around the house because he gets killed while she's, quote-unquote, freshening up. And she walks out and she's looking for him. She's like, I don't have time for catch me, rape me. And you stop in your tracks. Uh Uh-huh. And you're like, I feel every way about this. Because, like, I want to hate it, but, like, I I don't. Because her delivery... Adds a layer that's like, oh, she's been through it. Yeah. By the way. Like, y- yes. I, and I I would like for Chugs, Chugs to live. Uh-huh. But it actually works for me. And there's that, there's the, there's the quintessentially Chugs moment. Truly one of my favorite line deliveries in the entire decade. Right before she's about to die, she's in the bathroom looking at herself in the mirror. And she just kind of like, you know, she's looking at herself up and down. And she raises her wine bottle to herself and just goes, cheers, cheers slut. Yeah. And takes a big fucking drink. And I feel like that's the only 2000s horror movie where I've ever been comfortable with the use of the word slut. Well, okay, but also, what about in Tom McLaughlin's She's Too Young? Oh, well, It's not a horror movie, she's but too close. Young. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, us sluts gotta stick together. Yep, yep, us sluts gotta... Which this, is to me, is in that category. March. Slut March. Yeah, this is... The, these these moments are... These are horror slut marches. Yeah, these yeah. are... It, it, it really... And so then, you know, we... we terribly lose chugs and which means we have to spend the rest of the movie fucking mourning her but this commences the this commences the cavalcade of deaths Mm -hmm. and tonight is the big blowout bash it is the foam party the foam party also very odds so odds you couldn't turn on a tv without seeing a girls gone wild commercial and in that commercial was cancun and a foam party (laughs) so when we get to this point it's like wow okay so this is actually looking pretty cool but losing Chugs is a big loss. Mm-hmm. And I I definitely 
feel it here because we get into a lot of male stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we're starting to meet like the boyfriends. Yeah, we're starting to meet the boyfriends and we don't like any of them. And we're at the party and we've already talked about what we see outside. Um, he makes a pass at Ellie. What's his name? Mickey? Mickey, yeah. Mickey makes a pass at Ellie. Oh, let, sorry. No, let, I, was gonna, I was just going to say, yeah, let's please talk about the pass that Mickey makes at Ellie. Because this, like, please continue your thought. Because we get a tremendous Ellie reveal in this moment. Ellie, who has been so fragile up until this moment. Mousy, paranoid, frightened, he, crying. Oh, God. He's like, me and Claire got in a fight, uh, blah, blah, blah. And puts his hand on her leg, mm-hmm. and she looks visibly uncomfortable. Yes. She doesn't know what she's what she's gonna do. Because Ellie you're... is a lesbian. I'm sorry. You There's know what? yeah. No, Ellie's gay. Yeah, I'll I'll give you that. Ellie's a fucking gay character, and she is not somebody who has stood up for herself at all. And um and you feel like the sisters would be there and standing up for her, yeah. but she's without them. Yeah. And then she leans in really close to him and says, "Mickey, if you touch me again." kill you she has been a wallflower this entire movie and then ellie delivers her most assertive moment until you know she has a she has a glorious finish but she has her most assertive line in the entire movie to tell a man that she will fucking kill him what is it's incredible it is so the delivery is amazing and and what it, it is another example in this movie there is one point where you fall in love with every girl. Yes, and this you're is, so right. So to me, Claire, it was the earlier thing that you uh-huh. brought up. To me, this this is where it, it's Ellie. This is Ellie's. This is where, and this is this is this is what, Ellie's moment. This is Ellie's moment, <laughs> and this is where Rumor Willis demonstrates. This is where Rumor Willis doesn't allow us to lose the character. She is going to run around fucking screaming for the rest of this movie, and it becomes an amazing joke of people being like, "Ellie, you've got to stop doing that." I, I lived for it. We're talking about, talk, and, and I don't know if this counts as camp because I'm not the expert in it, but they're just like the way this movie stages its scenes when the, the delicious scenes of this movie, when all the girls are together, you have them prepping for the party. Chugs is dead and they don't know it. And you get an incredible mean bitch run from Jessica that she delivers completely in gigantic hot rollers. Yeah. She is, they're strategizing the party. Like, we, you know, everything's going to be fine. Like, get your ass fucking together. And Ellie's like, we're all going to die. And Jessica looks at her and goes, nobody is dead, Ellie. Well, Megan. And then (laughs) immediately launches into her next drag of somebody else. And she, they are just picking each other to shreds. And again, the entire time, Leah Pipes is wearing gigantic, comically yep. large hot rollers. Well, and how is that not camp? Except that if we've learned one thing in the last few years, it's that camp doesn't exist, that we can all define it, <laughs> that we're all wrong about it. We're all wrong about um, it. And yet, but straight people are more wrong than queer people. Yes. That's all I know. That's all I know. That's so, all I know. there it is. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> so, no, it's not camp. I will never, <laughs> I will never get, oh, I will never stop relishing the line. No one's gonna die. No one's gonna die, Ellie. Well... Megan, already dead. We get this fantastic, in, in The Kill of Mickey, we get the first reveal of what the killer's tool is, oh unless you're watching the DVD God. at home. Now, if you're watching the DVD at home, what you see is the Swiss Army tire iron yeah. as the loading screen. So it turns red while it loads. Oh, and so you oh, see the killer's tool, and you're like, what is this? Yeah. 
But then in the kill with Mickey, he tosses it through the ceiling. Somehow it's like an inside the wall kill yeah. with Mickey, <laughs> yeah. which is like, sure. Okay. Yeah. By the way, did they wallpaper the inside of that wall? Okay, cool. Could have. Um, but anyways, it goes through and, and stabs him. And you're like, wow, on every side of this tire iron is like a different device. Like, yeah, like a shoehorn. Yeah. Is it a corkscrew? A knife? There is. Man, there it'll is do everything but fix a tire. There is it a, will not fix a tire, There is clear. a knife and an arrow. Uh-huh. A, a, like, dual-bladed knife. A pair of scissors. <laughs> yeah, a pair of... Uh, a nail file. A nail file. Yeah, yeah, just the standard opener. issue. Yeah. yeah, can opener that nobody knows how to use. <laughs> yeah. It's not a can opener. Not what a is this doing on what here? What can? Which yeah. can? Um, but, and then on it, there's the, there's even a line when Jessica sees it later where she's like... Just saying, it looks a little updated, doesn't it? Like someone's pimped it out. I couldn't. Thank you. I, could, I was Thank just like you, 2009. T- only, only two thousand. There is a there's a place called like Pimp My Pooch in Burbank, <laughs> and it's the only like. Oh my god. I know, and it's still called that in 2020. Wow. But then during the pandemic, it closed, and I was like, you know what? I'm sad about small business closing. <laughs> small business is closing, but maybe that one needed a title change. Yeah, but Pimp My Pooch really. Like, what a time and a place. Yeah. It so, really... anyways, this tire iron. I mean, and that whole process of, I mean, that is such a shining star of a sequence in the movie because Ellie is in fucking consolable and Jessica just can't deal with it anymore. Mm-hmm. And Cassidy's like, I'm going to go upstairs and investigate Mickey. And Jessica's like, okay, well, I'm going with you because she just can't stand to be around Ellie anymore. Oh, right. And they get that great sequence where they're walking down the hall Ugh. where they are just shredding each other and yet somehow for the first time you feel affection between the two of them yes you feel that like wait a minute these girls can only do this to each other because they really know each other and at one time they really were friends she was always a bitch and she was always a nice person but there was a core of care between the two of them that makes them such bitter rivals now and cassidy makes that remark at her where jessica responds you know cassidy sometimes when you're sarcastic like that really makes you sound like a bitch. And nobody likes a bitch. And the dryness and perfection with that with that line is delivered. And Cassidy the doesn't self awareness. Cassidy doesn't receive any of the barbs from Jessica in that moment with any look of surprise. It's like this eye rolling, like, oh Jessica. Well, I think it's Jessica's first moment of being like, you know what, we have something in common. Yes. Yes. And she's like kind of because the way she says, and nobody likes a bitch, she says it like and that's why I am one, and I admire that you are too. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I think really works about that moment. I absolutely They're also agree. getting, uh, they're they're going to get a text message from the killer, which is fun because we didn't really have text messages in horror yet. Like, right? this is, like, yeah. newer. Yeah. And it's the first time we're seeing, like, an old iPhone screen, but of course it's new. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and the killer says something like, um, oh, God, what does it say? It's like, is oh, it... you know where you killed me. Yeah. Meet me there, which, of course, I know who killed me. Yes. <laughs> this is two years later, so, okay, easy, Lindsay Lohan. But, like, so they go to this location, and it's all the girls together. And that, to me, is actually some of the best dialogue in the film. Is like, anytime they're on their way to this well, oh my these God. girls, they this know is, what to say. And, again, Ellie's screaming in the car, Ellie, you've got to stop doing oh, that. And stop. in the background, emergency strings. Stopped in the again. middle of the road yes. by Megan's sister, who looks suspiciously like her. And Cassidy, Jessica gets out of the car to have a fight with her. And she just reads her for filth. Why would I listen to a lying bitch like you? Oh, by the way, my sister hated you. Peace. And you watch the villain get kind of vanquished in that moment. Oh, yeah, because 
she well by the way you guys are so glad that we told you to watch this because how are you keeping track of yet another character Maggie by the way who is supposed to look just like Audrey uh, Audrina Patridge and, yeah you know, doesn't. more doesn't really barely has the same hairstyle yeah. shows up in the in, at, it earlier and she's like I'm 17 and someday I'm, I want to rush this yeah sorority but like then in the middle of the street she's like actually um you were a bitch to my sister yeah who's dead now yeah and so I'm gonna be mean to you because this is my agenda yeah now this her, is my agenda. her story is going to continue but I just want you to know that I would love the alt story where you just see her night like this her is a 17 year old girl night. who's feeling pretty hurt eight months later that her sister's dead and uh-huh. she's like you know what I am gonna just ruin Jessica's evening <laughs> yeah I'm gonna deal with you later. You might want to deal with that hair first, cause it looks like shit. <laughs> That's her whole goal. I'm gonna fuck her boyfriend. Yep. I'm gonna I'm, fuck her boyfriend. Well, first I know she had sex with my sisters. First, I'm gonna see her car coming, and I'm gonna stand in the middle of the road, so she has to swerve and miss me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then I'm gonna go back to the sorority then house. I'm gonna insult her in a way she doesn't know how to deal with. Right, because she doesn't have time. Because I know she's on the way. Because she thinks my sister's alive. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm gonna go back to the sorority house, find her boyfriend, climb into her bed, yep. hide. Head to toe under the cover. Yeah. <laughs> so that when Jessica pulls it back and reveals it, you're like, what? Head to toe. It is unbelievable. And she is delighting in it. She's like, yep, guess, you know, can you leave now? Yeah. We're just getting started. Yeah. And so this girl, this is her, she is a femme fatale. Like, she, <laughs> this, this so is like, right. like Maggie is so, we never talk about Maggie. And Maggie might be the darkest, or not the darkest, but she might be the most like, she might be the villain. Even Maggie she's definitely not, like, she has is, the most fucked up sense of humor of anybody in this movie. She is the most dedicated <laughs> to the to the task at hand. Yes. Right? Oh my God, she is. Well, she came in with a plan. She came in with a fucking architecture of a plan. She Well, and uh, okay, so on that note, I do think Maggie is a sociopath. Yes. And that's why, yes. like, there, uh, there's, uh, that's why I would The version of this movie in which Maggie's the killer makes complete sense. And I will give this movie that. It, it also sets up the killers really nicely. So even though we love that Ellie moment where she's like, you touch me again and I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. When Maggie reveals herself to actually have an extra agenda. Yeah. When Carrie Fisher's like, these girls are always partying, whatever. Yeah. They do actually set it up so you're like, wow, is it one of these women? Yeah, yeah. And of course it's not because this movie knows that men suck. Yeah. This, so. like, again, I'll invoke it again, this, like Valentine, is about how men are awful. And how women within the social structures of the time were doing their best to be women for women when everything socially tried to deconstruct that solidarity. Yeah. Everything was trying to pull women apart from each other so they couldn't be in a, a united front. So speaking of a united front, the, the well scene that unfolds is is very special. Oh, when, when Cassidy goes down the well? Yeah. <laughs> I really love this. Did you, how did you know that was the part? Well, okay. So, and let's, let's also acknowledge that when we get to the, the, the um, quarry again, when we get to the lake and Garrett, the brother of Chugs is there. He has received the same tech. They, at that point think Garrett's the killer and that he's, God, or that Garrett's gone crazy. It's a quarry, by the way. It's such, oh, it's constantly It's always foggy. Fog. It's it doesn't matter what time you're there. Yeah. doesn't matter it, it, what time of year. Yeah. It fog. might, it might, it might come in and out with the fog and not exist without the fog. There might not it's be a quarry there yeah there, it, it's we like don't know we know it's a dirt wardrobe. road and fog it's a it's a through the wardrobe situation right. so they get there and they're like we have to fucking deal with garrett like this is garrett's behind these they don't know chugs is dead yet they think they're getting these harassing text messages they don't know what's going on they get there they get out of the car they find garrett and he has opened his own wrists and he is there and he's like what are you guys doing to me because he thinks they're punishing him and they're like why are you punishing us well then he starts menacing the girls and he goes to attack him jessica gets in the car and 
fucking runs him the fuck over runs him the fuck over twice and she gets out and they're like and of course cassidy's like what did you do and she's like he was coming at you with a knife it was a piece of a mirror same dish i waited for him to stab you guys you should be thanking me right now and then jessica looks and goes okay three to one odds he's still alive and then he takes like his one last death gurgle and she's just like or not incredible because here's the thing jessica knows just like we do, mm-hmm. that all the men in this movie suck. And yeah. it's not really a loss. Yeah. It's an inconvenience. Jessica doesn't love her boyfriend. She just wants power. Right. And the most available power to her as a woman in this world is in proximity to a man who has it. Yeah. So now at this point, they're yeah. like, well, we need to find out if Audrina Patridge is dead. Yeah. Did she and, crawl out of the bottom of that well? And now there's no, they can't see anything, even though we can see everything. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. they take the piece of mirror from like his body, like the, his the his dead hand. Yeah, that he presumably going to, cut his wrists open with. Yep. And they're, well, they still got his blood on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, it, and so then they, they use a chain to lower Cassidy, of all people, down. And she's like, I need more light. And they're like, we're trying. And you look up and you realize they're using a tiny shred of mirror to reflect <laughs> headlights yeah. down into the well. <laughs> and they're doing this. And they're like, we don't have a light. There's no flashlight. So they're using this tiny mirror. Cassidy's ass falls down to the bottom of the well. What does she do? She pulls out a cell phone with a light on it. The luck. All the luck of the world. <laughs> I gotta say. And then it flips on revealing uh, an I know what you did last summer message. And again, the continuing theme of LEV Jessica, the chain starts to break. So it snaps, Cassidy falls down, Ellie naturally screams and grabs Jessica by the arm, causing Jessica to drop the shard of glass down into the well. It falls and almost impales Cassidy's hand. Yep. And Jessica looks and just goes, Nice, Ellie. And Ellie yep. is looking ever more frantic. Yeah. It is, honestly, it's a perfect scene. And because we've already established, we know that camp doesn't exist. <laughs> no. Um, but if yeah. it did, if this it did. scene. If camp was real. I don't know. If camp was real, this scene might qualify. <laughs> I it is, it is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It is so, incredible. Followed by one of my favorite kills in the aughts decade. I mean, it is, it's, so, it's innovative. The next kill is innovative. The girls go back to the to the party, and it's all that's left is foam. And by the way, there's like a line out front where it's like, "Where did everybody go? Are they dead?" And <laughs> Jamie, I think it's like, Jamie Chung who's like, "Like maybe they're all dead." And she's like, "Yeah." And then the corpses drove their cars home, idiot, bitch. It's just so perfect. There, the, the fourth wall is constantly being broken, but not by the same character. Mm-mm. Every character is aware of the reality of the situation. So what we have is the the outlet to the hot tub is like frying inside of this foam. <laughs> I love when 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 Claire's like, "What? What's what ha- like what's going on?" And one of the sorority sisters just walks by. She's like, mm, "The hot tub overheated." And nobody turned it off. Nobody, nobody turned, turned it, off. it off, which of course is like the most college thing ever. Oh yeah, everybody went to the after party and was like, "Oh fuck it." Yeah, this isn't my hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> I I just graduated. <laughs> so, of course Claire because Claire is this is Claire, she's got to go handle it. Yeah. Um, in the middle of all this. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, to be fair, she yeah. just want to burn down the building. She is, yeah. She, but she, she, she was these... the one who got the hot tub going earlier. She, this is really her assignment, she's is the re- hot tub. She's really taking responsibility. And you know what? She already <laughs> ruined her shoes, which we see in a close-up. So oh, we're, yeah. like, not feeling sad about that. <laughs> and the rest of the girls go inside and get a text from the killer. Yeah. And they're like, um, why isn't Claire in on this group chat? Because, by the way, the killer's so petty. The killer's like, well, I'm about to kill Claire, so I'm not going to I'm not going to include her in the group chat. I'm taking chat. her off the fucking group chat. Yeah, she's out. Wow, wow. And then Claire comes slamming up against the window like, let me in because the killer's in the foam. Uh-huh. What's fantastic is she has wrapped herself around a, the cord of the hot tub, uh-huh. and the killer uses it to tug her down. She gets back up and walks out. With a speed and force that is incomprehensible. This... It is like a fucking supernatural ghost rips her into that foam. 
We talk about set pieces in the odds. <laughs> yes. I think about the Scream 2 mm-hmm. and the car. I yeah. think about House of Wax and the Melting Wax. To me, the foam party, the oh bubbles, the lights, the wire, and the setup for all of it, oh and her against the glass, this to me is an odd set piece. It's amazing. No, you're right. You're right. And it's so odd. Like you said, it's a fucking foam party. Yeah. And it's it's a great kill. Is so, any is any set piece more in the spirit of the two thousands than this? No, no. This is this is the this is the the most odds kill of this odds <laughs> film. And so to me, like this is a huge like this is a win. Yeah. Even though yeah. I love Claire. And it is and because and it's it's not even just what you said. She dies because she gets a road flare, a flare gun oh my God. shot into her mouth, and we get two close-ups on a burning flare in her throat going down in her mouth going down her throat melting her fucking head off because you know did you know that on one of the sides of the tire iron was a flare gun because <laughs> yeah. that killer just came so prepared you know no so because funny? jamie chung has no, no. the flare okay yeah totally of i just course, mean yes. it's so funny that the killer like although the killer has like four options yes. on this tire iron yes. you know he gets creative he uses the bottle yeah uses the flare gun you're right the killer's here for fun <laughs> yeah like, sure, he's got a cool weapon for the DVD menu, but also, he's going to improvise. He's going to improvise. He's going to yes and. <laughs> he's going to yes this and. This killer took UCB classes. <laughs> you know? He's he's not wasting any time. And what we, well, a thing that we we get earlier that we, I just, I just have to touch on it because, again, Ellie and Jessica, it's just so perfect. When Jessica and Cassidy are having their sort of, like, bitch bonding moment upstairs in the house before the pimped, they see the, the pimped out webbing, they get the text message, I think, at that point. That says like, it's fr- they're like oh finally it's Chugs thank God they get a text notification mm-hmm. and it says hey like hey guys I won't make it to the party second text because I'm dead with a sad face emoji with a fucking sad <laughs> face emoji and not a- they're in shock but Jessica has the wherewithal to go we cannot let Ellie see this text message <laughs> too late perfect characterization perfect characterization. Then once Claire's dead, they're again, we get another great sisters in the like they're going upstairs, they're going in the room together. The killer might be under the under the covers. They might be under the covers. We, we reveal it's Maggie in her underwear. Maggie joins the group. But Maggie gives a line before she does, because I just want to complete Maggie's yes, storyline. Please complete Maggie's she storyline. She says, Oh, by the way, I know you fucked Megan's boyfriend. She told me. <laughs> it's so so far. She's in the bed. She had an agenda. She'd been practicing that line. <laughs> For you 15 minutes, she's like, I can hear them downstairs. <laughs> yeah. She pulls the covers up. She's like, I know you fucked Megan's boyfriend. I know you fucked Megan's boyfriend. I know you fucked Megan's boyfriend. She's like red D. <laughs> you are and, so red. And her delivery is so delicious. And you know Kyle, who's Jessica's boyfriend, is yeah. supposedly around the corner, but we're like, uh-oh. Kyle's probably the killer. Yeah. Because Kyle is there, and when they get into the hallway and Miss Crenshaw kind of like is like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Leading up to Miss Crenshaw in the hallway, though, we have oh, Leah yeah. Pipes goes and gets the fire axe off the wall. Of course she does. And she's carrying a fire axe as big as she is. Yes. And the Im- that image of her walking forward, she just goes, oh my screw God. this, and goes to get an axe. And you're like, holy shit, Jessica's going to go kill the killer. She's going to handle and it. And she's got all the sisters behind her, Ellie looking like a fucking mess. And that's when Miss Crenshaw comes around the corner and fucking pops Ellie in the nose, pops Jessica in the nose with the butt of a shotgun. And Jessica just goes, <laughs> Mrs. Crenshaw, it's me, Jessica. I know. You've had that coming for four years. And you're like, oh my God, Carrie Fisher has arrived in this film. And then she says, I know what you did. <laughs> and then Jessica, in the in her only moment of stupidity in this whole film. <laughs> only moment. Because Miss Crenshaw has just established dominance. And yes. Jessica's like, yes, you are the alpha. She, she, the bully got bullied. And Jessica's like, 
yeah, we didn't mean to kill Adriana Patridge. We didn't mean to kill yeah, Megan. Megan. <laughs> and uh, and it's like, what? I <laughs> met you, like, through a party and made a mess. Yeah, you, I meant you fucked up the house. So it's like, okay, so now, but then, very quickly, Carrie Fisher's character just takes charge. She's like, okay, so who knows? And yeah. they're like, um, I told somebody, like, Ellie told somebody. So it's like, does everybody tell, does Kyle know? Cassidy's like, am I the only one who didn't tell somebody? Yeah. Everybody told somebody. Everybody did. Kyle knows and Kyle's in the house. Kyle's the senator's son. Yeah. And so, and we don't know where he is. And as Miss Crenshaw tells us, well, he, she, or it is about to get two rounds to the face. Uh-huh. And she's like, so, but my favorite part is Miss Crenshaw asks Jessica, she's like, does Kyle know? And she's like, no. And she cocks her shotgun <laughs> and she's like, lie to me again. It is... We are getting like one liner after one liner and scream, and like screaming at the screen. That's why it's so hard to think that like most people haven't seen this because it's like, oh my god, we could be quoting these one liners together as a generation and we're not. This movie feels to me like it should have, maybe not to the extent that, it, but it should have the sort of cult belovedness that Drop Dead Gorgeous does. I agree. I this it's was that irreverence. It's that female ensemble. It's that girls and gays sensibility. Like it is the first Blu-ray I bought was I bought a Blu-ray player for Jennifer's Body, but also while I was there, I was like, Sorority Row? So my first two Blu-rays I ever bought, Sorority Row and Jennifer's Body. Oh my God. Because that's what it's like to be right. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) That's what it's like to be right in the moment. Just want to (laughs) share. To be early and right. Mm -hmm. So when we do finally get Kyle, this is what's fun for me. I do have to, but oh, on our yeah, way up no, to getting please. Kyle, I just want to shout out that we, Carrie Fisher tells them, go in the bedroom. I'm going to go fucking kill oh, Kyle. Right. And that we get them in the bedroom together. And Matt and, and Maggie's like, you killed Megan? And she's like, I gotta go, go, I gotta go find my sister. I gotta go find Megan. Cause she at this point thinks Megan is alive. Cause they think all, they all think Megan might be alive. And that is when we get the intro to Ott's Tyrion sound clip moment. No, Megan. Oh wait, wait. no, don't go out there. What? what? I tried to warn, tried to warn her. <laughs> yeah. Which, of course, you can hear in our intro. What? I tried to warn her. An incredible, incredible, when they get in that room, they're like, she's, uh, Cassie's like, Jessica, where's your cell phone? She's like, I don't know. I must have lost it along the way. She's like, Ellie, where's your cell phone? Ellie's panicking. Ellie, where's your cell phone? And, El- and an inc- maybe, maybe Rumor Willis's best work in this moment. She's like, I don't really know where my phone is right now. I've had a kind of a crazy day, and I don't really, there's been a lot of, shit going down here so can you just give me a minute so the scene in the kitchen which is carrie carrie fisher's best scene yeah i mean she really is going head to head with a killer and unfortunately please don't think i'm afraid of you i live in a house with 50 crazy bitches that's it what else is there to say she's like i've seen worse (laughs) um i had to buy all of these girls bracelets do you know how annoying that is and i know they're ungrateful spoiled brats who will throw them in the trash well and then there's and there's but there and yet when miss crenshaw dies in her final breath what she says is you stay the fuck away from my girls even at the end that's sisterhood that is, and she is their she is their mother figure. She is their protector, and she mm-hmm. hates them a lot of the time. But in that moment, she goes downstairs because she's going to solve the problem for them. She's going to stop yep. this. She's going to hurt the man who's hurting them. Don't you touch my girls? Yes. Incredible. Incredible. Actually. So upstairs we get Kyle, and here's here's a fun little thing. Because Love the Kyle. The Maggie and, and, and Kyle business. Kyle shows up in a robe and with two ears and two eyes. So we know <laughs> yeah, Kyle must be the killer. He must be the killer. And and he's like, uh, I'm wearing a robe because I just tried to fuck Maggie, basically. Just, right? Why are you in a robe? And then 
why aren't you wearing pants? Right. And so, because there's never not time to accuse your boyfriend of being shitty. (laughs) I would agree. And so, here's the fun part. Like, Kyle never says he's not the killer. Instead, he's really doubling down. I'm like, we can't let anybody know that you did this. Yeah. (laughs) Every word. Because he's so self-obsessed. The only thing Kyle's worried about is keeping a secret. Yeah. And he knows that all this shit's going down and it's going to look bad for him. Mm -hmm. So he has not taken the time to communicate that he's not the killer. (laughs) Instead, he's done a great job of acting like a killer. Yeah. He he is. is In a very believable way. Becoming an increasingly abusive boyfriend with every passing second of this scene. Yeah. And and to me, like, honestly, I kind of wished he was the killer because it was such a good reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. I just would have believed it and it would have worked for me. I don't I didn't need the second reveal of who mm-hmm. the killer actually was because they really basically have the same motive. They're both like just shitty products of the patriarchy. The the reason I don't mind the second killer is because then he gets to die too. And That's so that true. way we don't have that man making it out alive. It is fun that there isn't one great guy in the movie. Yeah, it is so, really fun. So Kyle happens and 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 I love Jessica has this really great line where she's like, "Oh, when he is at I'm the really, win, Jessica says, I'm really starting to think he's not marriage material." <laughs> Well, there's, there's, I'm really starting to think he's not marriage material. And also, when he is being just as absolutely abusive, horrible asshole to her, and he's, like, mad, he's yelling at her and making himself look very much like the killer, and talking about, like, do you know what my father is capable, I don't know what his lead-in line is, but then Jessica responds by going, oh, yeah? Well, maybe I'm fucking the wrong guy. Her so face, good. her voice, mm-hmm. that moment... In, 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 you're like, you're like, please don't die. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I need you, Jessica. Please don't die. Yeah. And it is, you know what they are? You know what they are? They're Gail and Sydney. Oh my God, they are. And that's why They're it's, Gail and Sydney. The biggest, this is how you know the movie was directed by a straight man. Because she died. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. If this right. was in the hands of a queer person, Gail and Sydney would both be alive. Because honestly, we get we get to see them working together and it's working. It's They're amazing. working. They like, work. They a are moment, in full solidarity in that final attic scene. Cassidy runs. Yep. And, and then he's like, oh, some sister she turns out to be. Uh-huh. And then Cassidy bonks him on the head mm-hmm. with a fucking fire extinguisher. Yeah. She, and then, and then fire extinguishes him. Yeah. And she, when she runs away, she's like, Cassidy. And he, she thinks she's going, she's like, shit. Like she thinks like, fuck, like I've been an asshole and like, well, God damn it. Now I've been left alone. But no, Cassidy's not leaving a sister behind. No, because they are all together. They all love each other. They're there to protect each other. No matter how like crazy things get and what a crazy day they had. (laughs) You know, um, we really do get to see these women fight for each other. We do. And, And that's why it is so heartbreaking when Jessica dies because it's like, oh, she can't come back for the sequel. But of course, there's no sequel, so it doesn't matter. I know. There I was know. going to be one. Um, there should have been. But yeah, one. there should have been one. Well, and and then we 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 Maggie, get the friend pin reveal. Maggie's story still oh. not over, ladies Maggie's, and gentlemen. So the, Maggie's Ka- still here. <laughs> Maggie Maggie's a survivor. Boyfriend shows up. Uh, Cassidy's boyfriend shows up. Reveals that like I did this for you. I did this for us. Ellie told me everything because of course Ellie did. Of course did. Ellie did. Of course. We, and everything that we know about Ellie, we're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That, that checks out. <laughs> that makes sense. And he's like mapping out exactly. And like, he's he's telling her like, I love you. Like, I came back for you. And she, Cassie doesn't know yet that he's the bad guy. But Jessica has clocked that he's got the weapon. So Jessica's trying to like signal Cassidy. And finally she catches on. And then suddenly everybody's in on the act. And she's like, oh my God. Right. And then he's like, well, nobody, nobody who lived could know. Nobody who, who knew could live. And that is, and, and then you start hearing Jessica going like, well, we, we can work this out. We can work this out. And then he pulls 
his fucking tire iron Swiss Army knife out and kills her. It sucks because you know in that moment the way she says it, it's the only time in the movie it feels like she's lost control. It's, and that's how you know so she's right. about to die. You're so right. She starts bargaining. Yeah. She starts bargaining. She always knows exactly what to say or do. And in this moment, she's like, well, I think this is it. Yep. There's a, there's an add-on thing where in his speech, which is very like Urban Legends Final Cut, mm-hmm. but he, but like incel. Um, yes. And, and where he's where Cassidy's like, well, I, I pinned you and you were out of town. Yeah. And he's like, send it on a Greyhound bus. Yeah, yeah. I guess my phone got on a Greyhound and I was out of town. And so they start, like, they're going to, and, and Cassidy's, she gives, she's she starts strategizing. She's like, you're right. I believe you. I love you. We got to get out of this burning down house. Right. You know she's not fully signed over for him, but she's making him believe that. Right. And then there's like, there's his most disgusting moment, which I think does such a perfect job of making him so evil. When they're running out of the house, he's like, call for Ellie. Call for Ellie. She'll come to you. Yeah. Because he needs to get, and she's like, wait, why Ellie? He's like, no one who, like, we've got to kill everybody. There can be, there be no loose ends. Mm -hmm. She's like, but Ellie's fine. And he's like, she's the weakest link. She is. He's right. But just that moment of call her name, she'll come to you. Like, she trusts you. Let's exploit that with the weakest one in the herd. And it just, it makes me sick every time I hear it because it's just so perfectly fucking evil. He has two lines that I think really go in with that. And one is like, I'm feeling a little underappreciated here, Cassidy. Which is yes. like, okay, gross guy. I know you. You're which dating is... my friend. And I talked about it a lot behind your back. Yeah, yeah. He's that guy. He's you Roman know? Pritchard. He, yeah, he is. Oh my God, he is. He is for sure scream three in this situation <laughs> yes. right now. Um, and the other one is like, reputation comes from the company you keep. And the company you keep, bitches. And the, the way company he, you keep is bitches. When and that's only okay when Carrie Fisher says Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So when he says it, you know his ass has to go down. Yeah. This guy is not is not going to live to see the end of this movie, thank God. And they get down into the burning entryway of this house. Maggie is trapped in a ring of flame in her underwear. And she manages to like Cassidy manages to neutralize boyfriend, gets away from him. She's going to get out of that. She told Ellie to run earlier. She knows you can't rely on Ellie in a crisis. So she's like, Ellie, if you get the chance, run. Don't worry about us. She's like, just get the fuck out of here and save yourself. It's all you can do. Right. And so she sees Maggie and she's going to get Maggie out of this fucking house. But Maggie won't jump through the ring of fire. So she's like, I left. I like, I, I killed your sister. I'm not leaving you behind. And so then there's this great over-the-top, ham-fisted sisterhood moment where suddenly the killer appears again. He keeps trying to, like, kill Maggie with his now, like, throwing spear that he has on his tire iron weapon. And they're, like, yelling at each other. It is, it is an incredible moment until finally, like, Cassidy falls through the floor because it's burning out from under her. Real Black Christmas moment here. Real Black Christmas moment. To, to black putting Christmas. into a real, right. um... House wax moment. Which feels like to me in this whole, uh, this is the point for me, but it, it all kind of comes together with Sorority Row. It all, Sorority Row is, is the mega mix it's, of the odds. It is the DJ earworm God, moment. It is the DJ right? earworm moment. This ending really is. It's all of the characters. Mm-hmm. It's all of the set pieces. It was like, it took us 10 years of doing regressive and shitty things, but we figured out how to do this the right way and the wrong way at the same time in a way that's going to be the most fun you could possibly have. And when off camera Ellie cocks her shotgun and says, Farewell, asshole. Ellie 
Ellie didn't run. Ellie fucking came back. And you get that. You get the fulfillment of the promise of if you touch me again, I will I fucking will, kill yep. you. And we have sisters escaping together. Not one, not two, but three. Three. Including Maggie, who we see in a flash forward to the future slow motion set to uh, emergency. Mm-hmm. Finally. Mm-hmm. By the way, in, in the flames, we get these strings. Those intense strings. That theme music that we've been hearing the whole time. And Cassidy then we start in to the get... most 2003 outfit in the entire movie with a belt that has absolutely no purpose. Of course not. Jeans tucked into those like chunky black boots that with like the gathered leather. Yes. And a, a vest scarf thing that oh, it's for both, some for sure. reason is still clinging on to her in this entire third act despite all of the getting beaten up and the flames and the everything. She's still it's wearing this preposterous job. vest. It's so crazy that all these clothes stay on her despite none of them serving a purpose. None of them. All of them straight, just crazy ornaments. Absolutely. And we get, I mean, you have her falling to the floor because she's been bad bitch this whole, like in this third act. But then rumor comes in, farewell asshole shoots him. As she's running up to pull um, Cassidy out of the burning floor, she's like, now she's alpha. She looks at Maggie. She's like, Maggie, pull down that curtain, wrap it around you. And like to go through the fire. She's like directing traffic to get them out of here. And then we get that walkout together into the, it's rush week 15 months later, the house has been rebuilt. And the only thing that makes that moment, I miss Jess, but you do see, what you see in that moment is Cassidy behave like Jess. Yes. She takes on, it's like, oh, it turns out she really does have that peace in her. Mm -hmm. And Jess saw that earlier in the hallway, Mm -hmm. and now we get, it's making good on that promise. And it was the thing that Jess liked most about her. Yeah. And so at the end, when we see that, when we hear the music and we hear the song and it's the violins or whatever, it's like the string version of Emergency, what you hear is a version that's not available on the soundtrack. That's right. And this is the part that I love because actually it's like, it must have been like a demo or something before they recorded the final version because Amy Allen sings it a little bit differently, Mm -hmm. just the rhythm of it. And then we get just an intense strings and kind of a remix into the synth of it. It's so good. It's so good. But it's still so different. What it does is it's just like, it combines all of the theme from earlier Mm -hmm. and with a piano. And it's just this beautiful song that when the credits do finally drop, and of course we're not done yet, but Mm -hmm. when the credits do finally drop and it plays the soundtrack version of Emergency, it even makes that feel like a payoff. (laughs) It does It's like, like oh, did you want one more version of Emergency? I thought so. And we we still aren't done yet because no, in the I just have to say that in the credits you simply have to watch the credits of this movie to see such characters as already drunk sister, slutty sister, uh-huh. hot high school guy, <laughs> sarcastic sister, sea pig, which is a shout out from the original, I believe. I mean, and we've got we've got amazed senior guy. We've got over it sister. Oh, over it sister did such a good job. Over it sister, <laughs> thwarted guy. I mean, these are credited character mm-hmm. names in Sorority Row 2009. Incredible, but really, truly, I mean, I remember. I love the commitment to Maggie's story continuing on. Maggie, I did. That's the thing. <laughs> that's, that's why, why it's I okay. can't hate on it. That's why I think okay. I love that Maggie gets an arc. Yeah. <laughs> That Maggie's the last one we see. We could have a movie version of this that is just completely a Maggie's POV where she just came to ruin somebody's night and happened upon a murder. Yeah. Like a whole, like a serial, a spree kill. I mean, oh, it would be wild. That would be fucking nuts. Just a completely alt version. But it should be a comedy like Booksmart. <laughs> you know what I mean? With her whole plan in place. Yeah, like, I want it to be like wacky. Kind of like, yeah. I just want to see her mishaps along the way. <laughs> 
you know, because you know it wasn't perfect. You know? Yeah, there was plenty of things she fucked up that day because she's like 16 years old that we didn't see. And you know her gay friend drove her there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's there are more characters involved in this. I cannot believe the density of the text that is Sorority Row, Sam. It, you know what? I, sh- I This is... I can't wait for you to cut it down. I'm sure you have to. It's just, this is by far the longest episode. I'm going to have a really episode. hard time. Because there's just so much to talk about. And I think part of it is the quotability of the movie. How many uh, times oh, are we slowing down because we don't want to miss a I, line? I couldn't let it go. I couldn't let it go. I normally wouldn't go back to so, but I, I couldn't let these one-liners go. We also, as much as we move through things linearly, we don't usually move through the whole plot. But again, because the lines are so delicious, we didn't want to miss a thing. It's like, hey, got to tell you about this plot. Got to yep. tell you about this kill. Because there's just so much to love here. And it, I think it comes down to it, too. It, it, it's such a, I think, what makes this movie so, uh, such a, a it's a, sort of a challenge to explain is because it's it's so much a, a distillation of our mission here on the Oxterion pod, which is reclaiming these things that were unfairly derided in their time for not only the value they had then, but the value that they have now as artifacts looking back on this time that's really misunderstood and, and derided for it being insubstantial when it's, so incredibly consequential in its pop cultural output. It is such a long explanation to get to the points where you're like, no, 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 but this is why this thing that on its face is really bad or shitty or shouldn't work does. Right. This is such an epitome of why the aughts require this kind of deep dive look to bring into the spotlight the way they should be and be respected because there's so much hedging to do along the way and so much contextualizing to do along the way. So it's kind of a perfect case study film, I think, for what we do here with how many contradictions it has baked in that really end up with you just had to be there. Yeah. But us having to do the job to be responsible in our in our mandate to bring it past you just had to be there. Live to see. I, I, I hope that someday you and I get the chance to host a screening of this. Why this movie is Ots Tyrion to me mm-hmm. is it, it really goes back to what you said in the beginning, which is this is a mega mix this is of mega all mix. of it. To wow. me, this is it's a mega mix done right because you know there's a lot done wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it could it could have just taken all the pieces and scattered them there and been like, look, mm-hmm. we did our best, but that's a Rob Zombie movie. Mm-hmm. Instead, what we had was a skill like the, we had all the pieces. Now we're going to craft it into a real story. Not that he's not skilled. I just mean. This is a story. The storytelling, the relationships, yep. and I identify with the relationships in mm-hmm. the movie. So to me, this is a perfect Oxterion film. I I completely agree. And my addition to that is is only that it is this is an essential Oxterion film. This belongs in the fucking Hall of Fame because it is such an incredible study in contradictions, just as that era was. Yes. And it is such a perfect example of things about that era in its in its nastiness yeah and in its acerbic wit that i do want to bring back that mm. i do want to be a part of movies now the things in that the are worth way, salvaging in the way that in the way that we would incorporate it now like it, yes. it you know in the parlance of our times like but i do want that edge i do want that sense of danger yes i do want that and you know like i i feel like one of my favorite contemporary examples of that is uh happy death day the the head bitch sorority sister in that where her character felt so almost retro in like like a truly 80s slasher killer and her meanness and her lack of correctness yeah this movie is the kind of naughty that i do think is worth preserving and Mm. i I love it for that, again, that perfect representation of a time that was so deeply flawed and imperfect, but that remains so utterly rewatchable now and emblematic of the kind of fun that 
is held in transgressive material that horror lets us enjoy. I think that's really well said, friend. Thanks for watching this with me. Thanks for watching this. I'm I can't wait to watch it again and with Leah. With with Leah Pipes, I can't wait for all of us to hang out and watch this together and do a mystery science theater commentary track to it. Um yeah, see you soon, Leah. See you soon, Leah. And I just, you know, you can find me if you want to keep talking about Sorority Row on Twitter, Jorkru, J-O-R-C-R-U. You can find me at Sam Wyman um, on, on socials. <laughs> Listen to Ots Leah, Tarion. Leah, you Leah? can find me at Sam Wyman on Twitter and <laughs> at Sam Wyman on Instagram. Yeah. And you can just slide right into those DMs. Slide we into will those work DMs. Out. Mm-hmm. And okay. uh, we've hit 10,000 downloads on this. Keep, yeah, congratulations, friend. Keep Congratulations, friend. Keep the ball rolling, everybody. I think yeah. everybody should, if you have, you know, best friend, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, just take their phone from them, go to their podcast app, and just download this pod for them. Maybe they'll listen. Maybe they won't, but subscribe them anyway. Yeah. And and if you know my mom, will you subscribe her? Because she can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah. But she keeps listening, you know? So just just help her find her phone mm-hmm. and then the app. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you guys. And thank you for all the nice messages and our reviews. Yes, thank you. And uh, thank you for joining us for what might end up being a supersized episode uh, here on Osteria. Goodbye. Cheers, sluts. Woo! <laughs>